when a jewellery maker and a fashion designer join forces to put on an event that they'd actually want to sell their wares at. In 2008, little did they know they were launching the start of a sustainable business. I'm Ali Hill and welcome to Stand Out Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. Brooke and Sarah are the co-founders of Finders Keepers, where communities come together to shop, explore and discover the very best from designers, makers and entrepreneurs in the country. They pioneered curated design markets in Australia and then went on to navigate through COVID times of 2020 and beyond when face-to-face events disappeared. In this conversation, we talk about the role of community. It's woven throughout the work that Brooke and Sarah do and how important it is in times of crisis to listen to your community. We unpack courageous creativity. What is it? And what does it take to live a creative life? We also touch on navigating, leading a growing business in a busy world and how Brooke and Sarah try in amongst the spreadsheets and work that needs to be done to recharge their own energy. This year, Brooke and Sarah have launched Creative Business Summits, driving even more inspiration and conversation with their community of creative makers. Most of us want to support small business, Brooke and Sarah have created a platform for you to do this and you can find out more at finderskeepers.com. So please for now, step into the community makers and creativity drivers that are Brooke Johnston and Sarah Thornton. Sarah and Brooke, welcome. It's fantastic to be sitting down with you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. So your business, Founders Keeper, was founded in 2008 and started as a a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brooke, I'd love to go to you first. Take me to that moment of going, hey, I've got an idea. This is something maybe we should do together. (laughs) Yeah, it was certainly a collective idea. Um, We... I was just finishing off my study. I studied jewellery and object design uh, and I was trying to get my own business, my jewellery label off the ground and we were living in Sydney and um, I was just running around Sydney trying to do all the weekend markets, getting up at 5am, lining up, doing the markets, not having much success and it was, you know, lots of negative experiences. I was, but some positive, but mostly negative doing <laughs> I had one person come up to me at the Paddington markets and tap on the on the table and say not my cup of tea <laughs> to my work so I was you know That's sort right. of um, feedback welcome <laughs> I know so I, I've never forgotten that but that was a kind of encouragement I guess and Sarah and I had just met I was we were very young at 22 and um, she was sort of in the same position, had a little fashion label and working in the in the, in the surf industry in fashion. Mm. And um, we just felt like there was a real gap in that market kind of event. Mm. Um, and one evening I, I did like a sort of design market down at Powerhouse and it was pretty basic. It was in a conference room and pretty exhibition-y. Yeah, very exhibition-y, <laughs> but it did have, it was curated and it had, you know, and, and all the right people were there and I actually did really well and I started selling my pieces. And uh, it was only, it was kind of a one-off where they did it once a year or something like that and we thought there's there's something in that but I think we can tweak it. And, um, mm. yeah, and then Sarah and I over many conversations um, 
just decided, yeah, we had Sarah had an opportunity with a warehouse. Yeah, space. So I had an opportunity to use a space for free, and I was like, well, what are we going to do? I have no idea. Um, and then obviously Brooke and I had been chatting about her jewellery label and like kind of a lack of momentum and the mm. right audience. Um, and I knew a lot of creative friends. I'm kind of young and restless. I'm like, all right, let's do something fun. Get all our creative friends in, in a room and see where it goes. And that was literally the start of um, our idea. So. What was it about that concept that you saw as a, as a potential uh, yeah, I think it was around the early 2000s where the craft handmade movement was happening, particularly overseas. We could see lots of cool stuff happening in the US and the UK and we just kind of young and restless and there wasn't really anything for our audience. It was really kind of that higher exhibition level mm. demographic or, you know, the weekend markets. It was just brick or brack and people were selling stuff really cheap. And I think... At the time, I was like, well, there's nothing like this. There's nothing hitting, you know, our audience that we would love to go to. And just, yeah, having kind of that young entrepreneurial spirit that I didn't even know that I had, (laughs) I was like, let's just do it. Um, What's there to lose? And, yeah, I definitely think that we were in the right place at the right time because it turns out a lot of other people were like, yes, this is exactly what I needed but didn't even know. (laughs) So it was really easy to to kind of market it to people. We really didn't need to do much in the beginning. It was just tell your mates and see if they turn up. <laughs> if I quickly go back in terms of just touching on your backgrounds, Brooke, jewellery making, it's it's a beautiful field but I can only imagine incredibly tough. How do you get payment for the sheer volume of time not only in the design but in the making and the crafting um and and then kind of getting that to to the audience that you want to get it to what was it that that pulled you into jewelry making oh um well i well in in the beginning i worked at a jeweler shop in in ballina in northern new south wales and mm. and i knew i wanted to um leave the small town that i grew up in and um and go to the big city I remember going into the library and looking in, looking in a TAFE book and going, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that course. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> but, um, you know, as soon as I started, it was, I knew that I'd found my sort of, my little niche. But in the beginning when we started the markets, we actually did start to, to build our own individual businesses. Mm. So that's what was interesting, yeah, about the beginning of The Finders Keepers is that um, it wasn't like let's start this business, the Finders Keepers were actually trying to create a platform for our own businesses mm. um, and in the in, in that process created this this beast that's The Finders Keepers. <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as that The Finders Keepers started to take off my jewellery, you know, it, it became second, yeah. So that's a skill for later on for me that I've got. <laughs> yeah. For you, Sarah, was there a point in that recognition of going, hey, this isn't just for us to have a stall and a stand at, uh, but this is actually going to be something that's going to require more of our time. There is a need. You've said before that you didn't really have to sell it. People, you just kind of spread the word and and it went from there. Was there a point where you kind of went, oh, okay, need to kind of almost this this new entrepreneurial slant has now taken over the my own kind of fashion stall, so to speak. 
Yeah, I think that was a point where we couldn't fit everyone in the room anymore and people were starting to complain because they couldn't get in. <laughs> we're like, all right, there's a bigger demand for this. And it wasn't till we um, up-leveled and went to Carriage Works, which was a much bigger space than we were at, um, we increased the floor plan. And I was like, okay, we need to set, take this seriously now. Like, this is a huge step up for us. And it wasn't really until then that we thought, okay, we need to you know, do a proper budget, get ourselves set up properly as a business um, and, you know, do all those fun things that come with it and really realise that this momentum, we couldn't really stop it. It was just happening and, yeah, it was a really exciting time um, and knew that we could keep growing it. Looking back now in terms of not only just that, that seed in the start but where you've gotten to now, were there some lessons in the early stage that you learnt very, very quickly? Like as you look back now and go, oh, we might have done that differently or looked at that differently, uh, was there any, is there anything that comes to mind around decisions that you made at that time that in hindsight you might have done slightly differently? Oh, probably so many, like hundreds over the years. Yeah. Like you're just constantly outgrowing yourself and outgrowing the business model. Um, so there's definitely shifts and changes that we made. Um, I think, you know, going all those little bits and pieces aside, like trusting our gut was a huge thing back then. I think we were young and kind of would listen to people mm. in higher business positions that we thought they were the authority on things. And sometimes we didn't go with what we thought because we thought, oh, they're smarter, they're in business. They're professionals. They're professionals. And um, a lot of the time the hindsight was actually we knew best. We should have trusted ourselves more. And that I think that's just a life thing, really. Mm-hmm. You become a bit wiser um, when you get older. And, yeah, I really feel like sometimes we trusted too many people's um, opinion in the early stages and we really should have just sat down and said, you know, Let's think about what we really want mm. and what we think will work. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. the biggest lesson. Yeah, and, and, you know, still learning that lesson really and just realising that we know our business best where we created it and, and we know it best and we, yeah. are, we know it so well. That, yeah. And I think if you're literally the target market because we were, <laughs> it was created yeah. for us, by us, mm. like it's much easier to trust your own decision. So... Yeah, I think just that comes with age and wisdom, I suppose. Mm. Business know-how, yeah. Absolutely a lifelong lesson to continue yeah. to go, what are we here for? Who am I doing this for? Actually, mm. what would what would really light me up? What's attractive about it? What's going to annoy me? And how do I make decisions through that? If I look at your the business, the lens, what you have on the website, the sense of community is really woven through everything that you do. Brooke, Mm. if I go to you, what does community mean to you? Well, um, for me, I guess it's, it's like we've been so long in the business, almost 15 years, that I feel like community is just that sort of build, that sort of um, creation of trust in a brand. And for us, like, it, it, it has taken years and years and you can't create a community overnight, which is sort of the world that we're in now is, you know, people trying to get, you know, hundreds of followers and buy followers and whatever. It, that's not a community for us. A, mm. a community is, yeah, is, is growing slowly over, over, over years, over time. That's, mm. And that's 
for me, that's what our community is. We've got storeholders that have um, been with us. Some of them, will we still know that we're at our very first small event in Surrey Hills. Mm. So it's actually a really lovely thing. It's a, it's um, it's yeah, brand trust for me is is what is what community, yeah, is. And that like cultivating mm. those relationships from the start, and not only the sellers but the public that have said, "I've gone to every finest yeah. keepers since two thousand and nine," and you're like, "Love it." <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely a long journey, and and like what Brooke said, is it's not just followers and numbers on a page. It's actually those genuine community connections that you have. Yeah, actual relationships with actual real people. I think that is community. Mm. Yeah. Which is the stories that we that we kind of share and hear because when I look at it and even as I was preparing for this conversation, if I think about creativity, it often is an individual pursuit. It's something that we we allow ourselves some time and we we pursue it. We whether jewelry making or designing or fashion. Um, and it's often also an individual purchase. What am I liking? What am I interested in? And so to you know, it doesn't always kind of match necessarily that there is kind of a sense of community. So if I go to you, having, knowing those stories, being able to look people in the eye, whether it's the storeholders or people who, who come and attend, uh, what voice does having a community allow you to share? Like, so sometimes having a community means that you can stand for things in a stronger way because, those people and those stories kind of back you or support you or you're you're helping to have a platform to to speak into what they're craving. What have been some of those stories and, and what are some of those kind of key messages in the space that you work with? Well, obviously we're huge advocates for handmade and um, small businesses doing it themselves and the whole like ethical side of and sustainable side of making um that's huge for us and that's one of big, big big value from the beginning and also like the quality and the craftsmanship of products with longevity so mm. yeah the, the big things that we've been able to you know promote sellers and even if they're higher price points or it's an investment piece it's like our our community of customers also trust that as well and that's been something that you know, has really kind of stood the test of time with, you know, not doing fast fashion or competing with huge shopping malls. So that's been a, you know, big kind of brand message that we're always supporting small business and looking at like what we're consuming. So Mm. conscious consumerism is a big thing. And I think also to touch on the pandemic was a huge one, like, for small businesses to get support from our public as well to keep them alive and keep supporting those you know handmade businesses it was a huge thing for us so that's where we were really able to kind of be loud with our voice on that advocating for small business as well. That sense of knowing where something is made who's made it knowing the story behind it as you say the the longevity that that might come with a higher price point, um, but also then advocating when we're not going to shops or necessarily if it's not sold at the iconic or Temple and Webster, <laughs> where else can I find it for small business owners as well? 
Yeah, and also that whole, you know, connection with the maker mm. and the trust that they build and most of the time, you know, the customers can then, you know, be supportive of that business long longer than just one purchase. So, yeah, they're really important connections that the storeholders can make. Yeah, and that sentiment has really been pretty loud from the beginning. Mm. Like we haven't sort of changed that sort of focus with trends, like with, you know, what the marketing buzzwords. It's just really been that has been our focus from the beginning is sort of mindful purchases. Mm. Um, you know, we 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 favour, um, you know, ethical ethical designers and, and designers that um, hand make their goods and just sort of, um, holding on to those those rare skills now of of craftsmanship mm. so and yeah, yeah thinking about the materials yeah. that they're using yeah. and like the longevity of those materials like what's going to happen after mm. as well yeah that's right when it gets can it be recycled of. can it be remade you reuse so yeah they're, they're definitely um, things that we've advocated but also the stories we we share within mm-hmm. um, our community as well so is there a, in that process, it sounds like there's almost a bit of a, a conversation or a triage of um, whether it's those people that are putting their wares up or customers kind of coming to you. One of the things about building really strong communities is knowing what you stand for. Um, mm. And for some people, a bit like the person who tapped on your on your table, yeah. Brooke, and said, <laughs> not for me, <laughs> that can be a real celebration for a strong community is to, yeah. to kind of know and understand that. And in the early days, I think we can be challenged by trying to please everyone and widen our community when the very yes. thing to protect the people who um, are our big, biggest advocates, which is you, know, you both described yourselves as being part of the community as well, yes. why, why you started this for, um, is kind of what you stand for. So with that in mind, you know, understanding the maker's story, understanding where the products are coming from, what happens after they're purchased, is there a bit of a triage process in terms of um, the creative people who are, I guess, part of Finders Keeper? Yes, I mean, definitely we have 100%, we have a, a curation process. Um, so we, yeah, so our storeholders apply and then we go through every single application and every single detail. Um, and we, we do understand that um, there's limitations in, in manufacturing in Australia, like we don't have the fashion manufacturing you know areas like we like existed in the 50s or whatever you know mm. we know that that designers have to go offshore to get their their products made and we get that but we just want um transparency yeah um, that's really important to us and you know for them to know for the for the for the designer to know where it's coming from how it's made and and to be really just open and honest about it yeah the social responsibility yeah, is a big right. thing so you know if we if we can see that it's been made ethically and there's limitations of making it in Australia, um, yeah, then we're open to possibilities there. Yeah, having those conversations. If I take you back to March of 2020, mm. COVID times, a lot of uh, your business has been the face-to-face markets. They were not an option. Um, how, how did you personally as business owners navigate that change? Oh, 
with great difficulty in the beginning. It, mm. it was, you know, oh, like everyone, did. it yeah. was a huge shock. But I guess for, for our industry, um, we, we're the first to be affected by something like that and the last to go back. So every little sort of restriction that was um, imp- was imposed was it affected our business and, and yeah. what our core business, which was face-to-face events. Uh, so it was a huge, you know, the rug was pulled out from out from under us pretty much in the beginning. Yeah. Um, we have an amazing small team who who were so supportive through that sort of big beginning of mm. that sort of uncertainty of 2020. But yeah, it was it was something that we never thought that we would have to experience. We, you know, much like the rest of the world. Yes, exactly. Not <laughs> our generation not experiencing yeah. anything like this. So. Yeah, definitely it was a huge shock. But mm. I think, you know, looking back at getting over that, um, I, I guess we've grieved a little bit mm. because it was there was a lot of sadness mm. around that time um, and had to be really real about, you know, how that felt. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did what we do best and we buckled down and thought, okay, what, what can we do to save this without the ship sinking? Um, you know, what's our realistic survival mode number if we have to look at the financials um and what can our what can we do to support our community and one of the things that we did at the start is we didn't really know what we we're doing but we just started talking to our community we we all got on the phone and said what do you need where are you at we just started to really listen and then internally we just kind of buckled down and thought well what can we do now mm. and that's where we shifted to online markets and online business support. So, and luckily we had JobKeeper. <laughs> but that, yes, yeah, yeah. It sounds like the team, gathering the team, recognising mm. the, the grief and loss in that moment is really, really key. Mm. And then to, to start to talk and, and have conversations with community. What do they need? What are they looking for mm. in amongst that reality of business? What strength has it given you personally? Sarah, I'll go to you first. What what strength has that challenge kind of forged in you now as a business owner? Oh, it's it's huge. I, I feel like I'm still going through mm. it. <laughs> Coming out the other end, probably like most businesses, like this year's still being tough and we're all trying to get ourselves back together um but I do yeah I feel like it's been you know a life moment that will change us forever you think you have resilience and grit but nothing Mm. like that that you've ever experienced um I think I'm really proud that we didn't sink there's moments where it was close and um yeah, I'm just really proud that we got through that and it's given me this kind of indestructible sense of if we have to change things quickly, like, we can and there's always a way out of things, um, even if you really have to scrape <laughs> to survive. You just, you can do it. The human spirit is amazing mm. um, and just having, yeah, being able to have real conversations and know that you can change things is kind of gives you permission to not feel like you're stuck in things as well like we can be really rigid in our business and say this is the only way to do it and this is the only way we've done it for years but Mm -hmm. it has given that kind of sense of agileness and flexibility that we probably wouldn't have ever achieved if we were on this 
same trajectory. Yeah, and for me, I, I, I feel really sort of humbled by the last two years because, mm. you know, you're just on this sort of same track and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got to make all these changes and yeah. I think that, that we've had so many, I just think, you know, le- positive lessons. You learn, you put things into perspective yeah. and you learn your true, true values yeah. when you go through something like that, whether that's business or life or anything. Mm. And, yeah, we've definitely taken a different direction now with business. We're looking at it differently and I think that's a good good thing. Yeah, and there is a sense of fortitude that comes from the the worst-case scenario, yeah, we've yeah. had it yeah, <laughs> and we've right. faced it. Yeah. So whatever you've got, <laughs> I reckon we'll figure out a way out. And as you yeah. say, that rem- then that sense of, well, what really matters? What are we here for? What do we stand for? Um, and getting much stronger sense of certainty into that. And part of that is having to think differently. Um, completely agree with you, Sarah. There are things that we've just always done uh, mm. that weren't necessarily, they were fine, they were serving, yeah. they weren't wrong, but let's shake it up a little bit. Um, yeah. And sometimes in in the steadiness of business, then it's okay to actually maybe uh, you know, ask those questions um, mm. and to look at doing things a bit differently, which takes me to one of the things that you stand for is obviously creativity. You've recently had a creative business summit in Brisbane, the first one that you've done. And in a moment, I'll come to what that was um, and how that went. But the theme for it was courageous creativity. So I want to ask about that theme. What does it mean to you? As business owners, but also personally, courageous creativity. Brooke, I'll go to you. Yeah, um, it did come off the back of, of the, the two years of the pandemic because mm-hmm. I think in within that time it it was really hard to to keep your business going and, and we were super proud of all the businesses that just kept going and just kept putting their stuff out there through those tough times. So mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it's really just about being um, brave, you know, and just and just really this, just continuing to keep going um, mm-hmm. through that ad- that adversity. Yeah, just just yeah, continuing on really, just just pushing forward. That that's what's how I sort of look at it. Yeah, and it it is an act of courageousness mm-hmm. in this climate. Um, to keep going in mm. business it's you know kind of easier to get a, another job in some ways but yeah and just finding your creativity and your own voice in that as well is a big thing in terms of the summit tell me a little bit about the intention behind the summit mm-hmm. and what were some of the lessons that you you took away from the summit yeah and and again it came off the back of just the 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 pandemic we wanted to sort of bring our community community together in a different way mm. in a way of um, nurture and support to give them something to be encouraged by because we felt we ourselves felt that we wanted um, just a little bit of uplift just the, for the beginning of 2022 just just to, a, a little bit of a push um, to get back out there and just like to move forward in that post-pandemic world. Mm. So um, for us, it was it was March. We had we had planned it for March, but yeah. we had um, another another bit of crisis up here in northern New South Wales with the floods. Yeah. So that affected a lot of our community. So we had to then postpone it. So it was even um, 
more important we felt to put the summit on a couple yep. of months later because we'd had we'd had that sort of um, had a traumatic yeah experience. a traumatic yeah. An- mm. another sort of yeah trauma in the beginning of 2022 so um yeah just to, to offer our community more support yeah and it, it it's so important to have those conversations and that inspiration as well and small businesses like we've mentioned, a lot of the makers are solo entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and sitting in their, you know, room working for themselves for two years, basically. It's super isolating and, you know, even if they were a part of the markets or not, just having those connections and inspirations from people in the rooms was so important to us. So, yeah, we're, it didn't land where we wanted to in mm. March, but we're, we're super proud that we were able to get it to happen this year and we're hoping to do more more in that space too just to give people listening a bit of a sense of where you are located so you're based in well i'm speaking to you you're currently in bangalore which is right in the the heart of that northern new south wales so when you talk about the experience of the floods that Mm. we we experienced here in australia earlier in the year it's very much would have been around you for months uh, not yeah, just yeah. not just a couple of days no. that uh, that sense of loss and trauma and impact on community mm. um, that questioning what matters what do I need to do <laughs> a bit of survival kind of thing is what comes into that experience I completely understand not only the frustration but the need to have to shift it from from March and no yeah. doubt that put an extra layer on when you gathered together um, of just how important that was um, to, for your community, not only to feel a sense of community, but to be in the same room yeah. uh, and to be inspired. Brooke, if I go to you, what what inspired you from that experience? So um, no doubt it inspired the makers uh, mm-hmm. in the room, mm-hmm. but for you personally, what inspiration did you walk away with? I mean, I was sit- sitting front row the whole time writing notes. I, I felt in- empowered. I felt yeah, it was amazing. I think it's just that that energy that like a crowd of people brings as well, mm. and just um, you know, like-minded people is, always helps. But just that that energy that we hadn't had in two years of just like people together, and and and, a, and someone you know obviously speaking on a stage, but then you know in the in the breakout times, just being able to talk to people and just that sort of like feeling the love again, feeling the love for for small business, for being creative. Yeah, just so much, so much I took away from the day. Um, things that you wouldn't expect, things that, that, you know, ideas about your own life that you wouldn't expect. And that's what um, these days, these summits bring. I think they can be like, they can be life-changing. Mm. Um, so it just gives you that motivation in, in every sense, business, in life. So that's why we want to do more because it's it's like the dopamine hit you know <laughs> that's right remember you're your first customer yes. <laughs> Sarah Sarah what about for you what uh what kind of sparks have you taken away from from that experience well sadly I was really sick yeah. on the summer day which was a, some classic burnout um yeah. happening um but obviously I was very heavily involved in the curation and planning. Um, I've watched it online and it's it's everything that I wanted it to be. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm sadly I didn't have those conversations face-to-face. Um, but I will be at the next one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you'll be elbowing Brooke out of the way. Oh, no. just, yeah. <laughs> this is, 
<laughs> my time. Yeah. yeah, so that was a bit sad. But anyway. It's, uh, again, understanding, and I, I wanted to go here if you're happy to and mentioning that sense of kind of burnout because when we are serving a community mm-hmm. and in that space of creativity, new, I know design is really important, the way things look and feel, and design is how people you know, experience not just the visual elements of design but mm-hmm. but the curation of the experience, everything from buying the ticket to walking in to walking away in the post experience in amongst that and you've both described you came into this business as creatives yourself mm. but now business owners and no doubt that means running spreadsheets no doubt it means doing rosters okay. you know i'm going to class it not everyone listening will agree but the boring side of business uh, that just needs to get done in amongst change and uncertainty in COVID times i know business owners and business leaders worked extra hours they did more uh the depth of care was was even more heightened in amongst that i guess if i start with when you say kind of that sense of burnout what do what do you notice for yourself when energy starting to flag um, and then we'll get to the second part of what are the things that help restore you restore from an energy point of view sarah what do you notice what are the signs for you yeah i think when you're running around doing too many things I don't know you kind of get this weird sense of energy when you're in that state it's real that fight or flight um and you're probably in that fight state um and you just keep things running you don't you're not doing as well as you could be um the output might might be high but that's when the balls start to fall I don't know I guess the flags are for me yeah just that mental exhaustion anxiety Mm. hits because you're not really doing anything well um and then yeah for me the last thing is physical yeah your body says uh -uh, no thanks yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i'm overruling here yeah how about for you brooke yeah i i certainly get the the um sense of overwhelm just that that sense of just like um not being able to focus and not doing not finishing things just Mm. starting heaps of things and just not finishing it and there's sort of this cycle of just confusion um Mm. and it is the nature of what we do because we build up because we do that six events or seven this year we we build up and build up and build up and then we have this huge physical event that's you know long long days so we just understanding that you have to be kind to yourself during that time Mm. and you have you have to like go to sleep at a at a at a decent time you, you have to and I'm not saying that I do it I do it well but I'm aware <laughs> of it I'm mm. aware of it you know have to start you, saying no to things yeah you got to say yeah. no you got to eat properly it, you know you've just got to look after yourself but yeah it, it doesn't get any easier as you as you have more years in business it it I don't want to be negative but you know it it, it gets it's I think you just grow more aware mm. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. become more aware of your what's pat- happening. Patterns, yeah, your patterns. Yeah, you'll be like, okay, what, okay, what can is, I do to yeah. fix this or soothe it? Yeah, <laughs> not always fixable. No, no, yeah. and obviously, you know, it is dependent on, particularly when you're talking events, you're talking need to be here. What can yes. I do in the moment? But know that I either physically need to be here or need to kind of turn up 
in the and I totally understand what I'm going to say is might be a bit of an oxymoron, but in the down times when yeah. it's a little less frantic, what do you do to restore that energy do you, or craft some space? Well, we we live in such a beautiful part of the world that um, I was going to say cliche, but I literally, nature, gives it's, me everything I need, honestly. So yeah. We're actually so lucky to be surrounded by it all the time like our our commute is you know through like beautiful green hills and oceans and you know I think that that definitely fuels my fire and also like you know with in terms of like us being original creative like creatives I think um just being with our kids <laughs> that that often that often um, fills a gap for me just in my creativity. Yeah, I don't know about you, Sarah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I definitely <clears> agree. <throat> like switching off, yeah. turning the computer off. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of no notifications. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I pretty much disappear on Instagram for months because yeah. I just don't want to mm. yeah. go on there. <laughs> um, and yeah, like it is, it's a cliche, but we're but nature is just so good to just you know recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, ground yourself and just get perspective mm, breathe in the the air and yeah and then I think yeah there's that creativity comes from open spaces so mm. I'm always like looking at things and <laughs> wandering off on little trails and finding inspiration in, in other things so yeah yeah, I. It's a cliche because it's true because yeah. it works. So. <laughs> so it's completely fine. Sarah, do you have as a hobby like creative outlets or creative spaces, things that you kind of do? And I love Brooke where you mentioned kids help you to do that, particularly if you're getting out the paints for them or doing something with them or lining up leaves, whatever it is. That can be a beautiful excuse for your own kind of hobby and expression of creativity Sarah do you do you have an outlet not at the moment as sad as it is I I really (laughs) have been craving Mm. that um and I Mm. think it is a bit of like get out the arts and crafts with the kids at the moment that's amazing Um, (laughs) I mean we've kind of dabbled in bits and pieces but yeah I'd love to like you know start painting again Mm. or like sewing Mm. or just anything that without an agenda yeah like not selling it yeah doing it for fun you don't have to turn it into a business <laughs> <laughs> it's hard isn't it when, yeah yeah this year is going to be the year i know yeah. we're halfway through it but you know i will find that creative outlet for just being creative <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie we definitely just through being um the owners of a business definitely have um it's been hard to fulfill that creative void in the early days Sarah and I always used to do side hustle and our side hustle we used to (laughs) we've had a shop we've had a jewelry label in those 15 years so we've always sort of had like a little extra thing that we would do but I think in the later years of the business I want to yeah just have a hobby that that we don't try and you know monetize monetize (laughs) (laughs) which is always the wrestle in even in creative pursuits full stop right you want to have an expression of who I am and to be able to share that but um but there's also just the sheer requirement of being able to pay the bills Uh, and from what you've described as well sometimes like 
in terms of the opportunity to be able to get face to face, this is really a year to to double, double down on that because we can um, and put your space into that. So so knowing that it's there, the paints will be there, the kids will prompt you <laughs> when it when it comes as well. Brooke, what's exciting you about what's next? Oh, I think the summit. I think I think building on that that concept for us because we've been yeah so many years just uh, doing the markets which are amazing but it's just really nice to create something new mm. and I think it does come back yeah to that sort of um, creativity void because we get to you know work on the branding of this new event and we get to create an experience that's mm. different from what we what we do already um, and then also just um, absorb uh, the yeah what happens at the summit as well so that's what's excited exciting for me moving forwards yeah how yeah. about you Sarah yeah I, I think we're on the same page mm. there I think that's um, an area that we we just love you know it's why we do what we do yeah and if we can help you know support businesses sell it, at the physical markets but also for them them to grow as a business and as a person um yeah that that makes me really happy and yeah, it's kind of fun to do mm. those little soirees with you know, <laughs> <laughs> drinks and especially if you get a chance to be there yeah. and, <laughs> and feel well. I really love this conversation. And I think that exploration of not only community but creativity. What does that mean, and how we can step into that? I want to come full circle with a final question. The name of this podcast is called Standout Life. When you hear that term, mm. what does it mean to you to live a standout life? Sarah, I'll go to you first. Yeah, that's such a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying about being, you know, creatively um, courageous. And that is like, you know, don't wait until things are perfect or ready. Mm. Just get out there and start. Um, that's the hardest part is the starting Um if you want to take some of our re- reckless youthfulness from starting the finders keepers <laughs> like there was there wasn't anything to lose mm. and everything to gain so yeah and just not being fearful of giving it a go especially now after the pandemic and you know what you really value and what you love don't sit in a safe job for the mm. rest of your yeah. life yeah um go and do something amazing and if the worst thing is is you're going to fail mm. then you'll always be proud that you gave it a go. Yeah, I guess for me, um, just it, it, I feel really, really proud to do something with a purpose, like to create something that has a purpose mm. that impacts people's lives, that actually is our sort of driving force. So, yeah, to do something with purpose is, yeah, yeah, we feel pretty proud of that. I love that. Standout life. Get yeah. out there and do it. Yeah. If failure is the, the worst outcome but you can be proud of yourself along the way, then uh, yeah. it's worth giving it a crack. Sarah, Brooke, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, a real delight to connect with you both. Thank you so much, Ellie. Yeah, it's been thank lovely. you so much. It was a great um, chat. And yeah. Really happy that we could do this. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. 
If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.